It's from Luke chapter 1. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has fulfilled that the Lord would, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servants. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. God always blesses the reading of God's holy word. Come, Holy Spirit. Lead us again. I pray that this final Sunday in Advent, you would speak in the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pure and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. How many of you were here last night for the improv group? Oh, man. You know, it's Advent Sunday. And it's, it's, it's love Sunday in Advent. I felt very loved by those cookies last night. Oh, the cookie selection from Crumble. Oh, my. I was looking forward to those desserts all day. And it turns out they're cookie specialists. And boy, they were so good. And fortunately, unfortunately, I, I stumbled uh, and blew my diet. I think I, I exercised in the morning, but I think I earned up all back all the calories I blew in my six-mile bike ride. Um, but... I got a saying for for crumble cookies. Check it out, crumble, if you're listening. You could try this. If you're going to stumble, it might as well be with crumble. (laughs) You can have that. You can use it. No charge. You know what? It's true. If you're going to go for it, go for it. You know, enjoy cookies. Anyway, that was a good time last night. And like I said, I try to, uh, the improv folks are great. I've known Taproot people since my first 10 years out here and great group of folks. And they did a beautiful job of, of framing Christmas in a really fun, comedically brilliant way. And there's, they were a blast to hang out with. As I said, I try to exercise and, and um, drop some weight and um, enjoy treats then now and again, but also try to be careful with that. I try to, I'm biking, I think, six, seven miles in our stationary bike. Mary, in her travels to Elizabeth, didn't bike six or seven miles. She apparently walked 80 or 100 miles uh, from where she was um, to where Elizabeth was. We don't know exactly the town. We know Mary, Elizabeth, Mary went left from Nazareth. But, um, 
she went to some town in the Jane Hills, and it's sort of it hasn't been we've never figured out quite where, but it's sort of mystery mysterious. But Mary took a long, long travel period. Right before our text, we get clues into why she meets Gabriel in the previous context, the previous passage right before this. She meets Gabriel, the angel, who says, big news, hey, greetings, you're favored, don't be afraid, Mary, you have nothing to fear, you're just about to conceive and give birth to a son who's actually the son of God, and this son of God will reign over a never-ending kingdom. That's sort of the cliff's notes of what Gabriel says. When she asks how this will all happen, she's told about a, she's told not how, but she's told about a who. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word of God from God will ever fail. We're told immediately she submits to God's will. I am the Lord's servant, she says. May it be, may it be in me, may it be to me, according to your word. Then the angel leaves her. And then right away, right away in the next text, Mary hits the road. And we begin our passage today. Mary got ready, hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. She's on the move, like I said. It's 80 to 100 mile journey. Why does she go? Well, evangelical Bible scholar... I think from Sri Lanka, Ajith Fernando says she goes to prove her obedience. Well, perhaps, but I noticed something in the text in the chat with Gabriel. Gabriel only told Mary what would happen, who would cause it to happen, and who else it happened to. Similarly with Elizabeth, Gabriel never actually tells Mary where to go, but Mary goes. And we're told she stays for three months. Mary meets one-on-one with Elizabeth. She knows now, because of what Gabriel told her, that this mission she's on is a shared endeavor. Gabriel, without telling her what to do, has already given Mary a clue to what God is doing. Quote, verse 36, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her her old age, and she was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. God's angel doesn't tell Mary where to go, but she knows she needs to go. Because God never leaves us on a mission by ourselves. God gives us companions for the road. We want you to get that here at Muckleteal Presbyterian Church. You have companions waiting for you right here. Many of you know this. This is one of the things we're all about, companioning each other on the road. God does not leave us alone to fill the mission. Listen, Mary goes with Elizabeth, stays for three months, and notice what happens when Mary gets with Elizabeth. She goes from fear and a basic declaration of obedience to something much deeper. But before we get to that, look at what happens first. Mary and Elizabeth meet up. What does Elizabeth do? Elizabeth affirms what God is doing and says, Blessed are you among women, 
And blessed is the child you will bear. Ever been blessed by somebody when you're on a, a tough place or God's given you a tough load and someone you come into someone's presence and they pray for you? I was talking to a pastor friend of mine this week who is from uh, another part of the country. We were college friends, and he's now a pastor in another denomination. He, he's dealing with some immense, immense, intense pressures in his life. And he's been in a, a small group for years with a couple of other, a couple other of our college friends. And he said, hearing those guys pray for me and hearing you pray for me today, and we were, we were Zooming, you know, to hearing across the country, it didn't matter. He said, hearing those guys pray for me and hearing you pray for me is absolutely powerful. Well, this is what happens with Elizabeth and Mary. She gets there. Mary gets there. Blessed are you, Mary, she gets from Elizabeth. The angel Gabriel rocks Mary's world for sure. But notice, it's only after her human peer Elizabeth welcomes and affirms her that Mary then prays. My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. I think it's rather important that this doesn't happen somewhere in the woods on the journey between Nazareth and this mountain town. This happens when she's with Elizabeth. I'm not saying she didn't pray when she was alone, but when she lights up, when she lights up, is when she connects with Liz, Mary and Liz. God makes us for mission and God gives us each other to companion each other on the way. We want you to get that here at MPC. And I think many do. And we're all on the way and going deeper with it. We had our Christian education team meeting this week to compare notes, check in. We have a phenomenal group of teachers and People uh, well-trained and deeply committed with years of teaching experience. Tom and Art and Jim and um, I'm sure I'm missing somebody. Tom, Art and Jim and others. Um, who? Larry. Thank you. Larry. Powerhouse. Larry, you didn't need a candle. You didn't need a thing. You could light that with the fire in you, brother. You could just light it up. Um, you are the fire, bro. Anyway. So anyway, um, but we hung out and just talked about what God was doing in our midst. And I think it's safe to say our spiritual wombs were leaping. You know, as we, as we were chatting, when, 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 when Jill was pregnant with Jack, he would, when, when you could tell he was hungry, cause he would like flip around in her womb, you know, he's still the same way today. Food, you know, and it's, he go, ah, I need food. It's the same personalities in the womb. It's amazing. It's already embarrassing, buddy. I love food too. Um, but the, but when we're with each other and we're fed spiritually with each other's, uh, food and passion for Christ, we leap inside. That's what was going on at the CE meeting this week. It's not just a meeting, drudgery, it's fellowshipping and excitement and wombs in us what God is doing, leaping for joy. God provides for us like he provides for Mary and Elizabeth. When I was a pastor in central PA, I was there for 12 years and I became aware of a phenomenal professor at Pittsburgh Seminary called Andrew Purvis. He's a Scottish pastoral theologian. And I knew Dr. Purvis 
from what I'd read and seen of him had bountiful insights for sustaining what God was doing in me and how God was growing me as a pastor. So it occurred for me, wow, Pittsburgh is only four hours away. I can take, I can go sit in on this guy's classes. So over a five year period, I enrolled in three of Andrew Purvis's courses just so I could audit and listen. And oh, what a bounty. You talk about a womb leaping, thrilling moment to sit with him. And I got him just before he retired. He was just in the zone. He was in the zone. So I would drive four and a half hours one way to Pittsburgh Seminary, sit in the class for three hours, and then drive four and a half hours back on the same day. One of my elders <laughs> checked in on me. He said, is Matthew really doing this? <laughs> I got to check. He called the professors. Is this for real? <laughs> yep, it's for real. Because you know, he's that good. Because it was that good. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Andrew's now retired and in um, North Carolina. He actually wound up coming and giving a retreat at our church and baptizing Jack. I'm trying to get him to come out here, but we'll see. But he's a Scotsman. He sounds like Sean Connery when he talks. He's so awesome. I wound up going to, going to Scotland with, uh, with Dr. He says I can call him Andrew, but Dr. Purvis. Um, uh, I wound up going to Scotland with him. And that was my first of four trips to Scotland. That's how I fell in love with Scotland, my adopted country. Love Scotland. It's one thing to have a sense of what our mission is, right? And come to that sense individually. It's another thing entirely to have a deep connection with people who are really with you on that mission. Even as we're all different, we all have different angles. That's great. That's how God made us. We have a wonderful diversity here in our church. We're about that. We want to embrace the diversity of approaches to how we live and magnify God. But we're all about magnifying God. When Mary gets there after her fellowship with Elizabeth, then she says, my soul glorifies the Lord. We desperately need community and connection. And we are all about facilitating community and connection here at Muckleteo Presbyterian. We want you to have Mary and Elizabeth moments that you may magnify. You know, prayer partners, retreats, prayer retreats, small groups, worship time, singing, praying, playing, being together womb leaping joy that empowers us to magnify mission because when that happens when we hear a blessing of what god is doing in us through each other like mary heard from elizabeth then we're going to respond with my soul glorifies the lord mary's uh, soul is catapulted in this moment in this connection with Elizabeth. She launches in to what is probably one of the most beautiful expressions of devotion to God in the entire scripture, known as the Magnificat. It gets this title Magnificat, you may know, because St. Jerome's translation of the Bible from the 300s AD is written in Latin, and in the Latin, the very first words are of this section are Magnificat anima mea dominum, my soul doth magnify the Lord. So magnificat means magnifies. And the first word in the original Greek here is megaloni, which can be translated glorifies, exalts, or magnify. Literally in Greek, if you just say the words as they are here in the original New Testament, Mary's words read megaloni, hesuke, mu ton kurion, or in the English literally, literally magnifies the soul of me, the Lord. Soul here can be translated life as well. My life magnifies, she's saying, 
or my life shows the largeness of the Lord. I know this has ever happened to you. Sometimes when I'm using my computer, I'll hit a wrong button and suddenly the screen will blow up and be so magnified. Like, what did I just do? I can't even see where I am on the page anymore. It disorients me. And I have to then go back and figure out what button did I push? Because now everything is, I have to sort of reverse engineer what I just did. Is it okay? Is it delete X, delete Y? What is the control X, control Y? It's so magnified that I lose all perspective on where I was. I can no longer see where I am. The old way, at least. Well, Mary's magnification prayer can do that very thing to our lives. It throws us off of our regular patterns. Listen to Mary magnify from God's perspective. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. The reality of God magnified and projected onto our landscape When that happens, suddenly we see everything differently. God's mercy magnified our anger and forgiveness made small. God's scattering and humbling magnified our control over our lives is put in perspective. God's filling of those in need magnified our hunger is put in perspective. God, the God of all generations, from generation to generation, our focus on just our generation is put in perspective, even rebuked. God remembering his people forever, magnified, our forgetfulness, convicted and consumed by by that. Magnify God and our stuff suddenly gets real small. I was sitting with a couple of friends of mine I'm in a prayer group with. This is not in our church, but some other friends of mine south of here, guys I've known since my first 10 years here back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Two of these guys in this group are now talking about life in perspective now that they're in their mid-50s and around 60 years old. And both rather sheepishly admitted, this was interesting, during the conversation about our lives that, you know, we, we probably could really retire now if we wanted to from our jobs. They're both academics. But we don't want to sell out. <laughs> you know? We we don't want to just do the do this thing that, you know, quote unquote, just go live the good life. We want to serve God. I was like, wow guys. They were they were teaching me. They were they were magnifying life from the Lord's perspective. It was their own little magnificat in that meaning because it was no longer just about this earthly script of what it means to you know live the good life from from our perspective but living the abundant life from God's perspective they were going god what do you have i could do this i could take this route but god 
what do you have? And of course they know that in, in retirement you can do a lot of good things for the Lord. That wasn't the point. The point is they just want to do that, right, and be significant. They don't want to be tempted to just sort of bail. They want to keep going. And I, and I told them, I said, you know, in many respects, I think when Christians get to be in their 60s and 70s, you're like, you're, you're in the zone. Like that's the high season of your life. That's when you have the most to give if you're feeling good, you know. Great talk. Just being with them, I came away with a whole different perspective. That's what we want for people here at Michael Teal Presbyterian Church. You know, we want to come letting the kingdom perspective impose itself in those moments together. Because we have to be together. We have to remind each other of that or else we'll find ourselves living the culture script, right? Doing something just because everyone else does it. God may call you to go in a motorhome and travel around the country and could share the good news with Christ with people. That's fine. But don't necessarily assume that when you're retired. You know, put it before the Lord. This is what these guys are doing, right? We hear the expression, walk by faith, not by sight. Amen to that. But there is also a sight that faith gives. And Mary helps us with that. She's giving us this perspective on the world, the might of God, the agenda of God, the passion of God magnified in Mary. And when that happens, it actually helps us to see. It's disorienting from the world's perspective. I got to get my keys. I got to figure out how to get. No, no. Let Mary mess with our vision and let her and her beautiful prayer magnify the Lord so everything else in our life gets put in perspective that we may continue to see the Lord magnified in our lives in whatever way that God wants to challenge us in early life, midlife, retirement, and beyond. May it be so for you. Our soul magnifies the Lord. May it be so in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.